Hello, everyone, and welcome to Western Conference Wednesday here at Locked on NHL. Today, we are talking about shattering glass ceilings and some pre-draft trade happenings, and we have plenty to talk about on today's episode of Locked on NHL. You're Locked on NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everyone? I'm Jess Belmosto of Locked On Flames, and today I am joined by Brett Holden of the rival Locked On Oilers. <laughs> and I'm so excited for this episode because we are just we're talking about so many exciting things, but I also get to have like such a fun like sounding board to go back and forth with. <laughs> so before we get too into uh the episode, I just want to remind everyone that we are on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Audible, Odyssey, Apple. Did I say YouTube already? Anyways, whatever. We're free wherever you get your podcasts. And I am just so excited to talk about everything today. And uh, oh my gosh. So Sunday, no, I lied. Monday. It was the holiday. It was the 4th of July. Uh, there were rumblings of the San Jose Sharks getting their guy, uh, Mike Greer, as um, the next general manager. And this is a huge hire. Not only do they fill the vacancy, but he is the first Black general manager in NHL history. That is incredible. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, uh, first of all, a guy who was big in the NHL and an NHL player, a guy who was well-liked on so many teams that he played mm -hmm. for. He has had front office opportunities as well. And I mean, Mike Greer also has the greatest hockey card of all time. So not only does he have the culture of all cultures, uh, or the, the these. The hockey card is for the culture, I should say, but just a wonderful hire. Again, a guy who's familiar as well with San Jose, too, uh, mm -hmm. and just a great guy to add for the organization. And again, breaking barriers as well is, is a wonderful thing to see and a theme for this episode, evidently. But yeah, just a, a wonderful thing for Mike Greer, but he gets put into kind of an interesting situation in San Jose. Yeah, so... He is coming from the Rangers, um, who was a hockey ops advisor. Um, but now he has a whole new can of worms to go through. Um, the Eric Carlson contract, <laughs> which no one in their right mind is going to take. Um, I love Eric Carlson. I will always be an Eric Carlson apologist. I don't care. That man could be stapled to the press box. And I'd be like, that's my man. Like, ride or die for him. But he has quite the challenges ahead of him. Not only, you know, moving, potentially moving that contract, but there's, like, not a lot of optimism uh, in San Jose, I would just 
even say with their prospect pool as shallow as it is, uh, the Barracudas finished last in the AHL this past season. So I, I don't know what, what is like the, the overall like feeling that you have for this? Well, and you, you touched on a good point is, is the Barracuda finished last place in the, the, the AHL and you are a general manager of the San Jose Sharks, but you have other organizations to worry about. And you have to, it starts from the bottom all the way to the top. And that's something that my career is going to have to actually really face and really have to help and really work on. But the other thing for Mike Greer as well is the San Jose Sharks don't really have a lot of cap space. They have $5 million in cap space, just over five and a half, really $5.6 million in cap space. That's not a lot. That is not a lot. And they have nine RFAs to worry about. Jonathan Dolan, a big name for them to worry about. Noah Gregor, who came on later on in the year for them as well. Zach Sochanko, who played some games in the NHL for them. Capo Kakinen, who they got at the trade deadline. A lot of very important names that they have to go, okay, well, this guy could help us down the line, but, oh, here's that five just over five and a half million dollars to work with. And then we also have that Eric Carlson contract, the Brent Burns contract. And I mean, these are all, they have five contracts that are five guys that have contracts over $7 million. And those aren't exactly the youngest or most spry of chickens in the league either. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of questions going into this for my career. Absolutely. And I just, I don't think that you're going to get a true assessment of how he does as a general manager in this first year, because like you said, they have $5 million to work with right now, yeah. unless they somehow get creative. And I, I haven't done the math, uh, but I just, I don't think buying out Burns or Carlson would really do you any favors because you still have dead cap space and until we see like a true cap increase like if there was like 10 million dollars like laying around somewhere that the league could just like give to every team money isn't real this is all like fake anyways (laughs) it, it would even like $7 million would give them. So like that's $12 million to work with. That is, that's great. Considering most teams are working with a little bit more. (laughs) Just, I don't know how this is going to go. I just, I don't, I, I, they're, they have to get creative and they're going to either have to let some players walk, beg someone to trade, with them and become friends yeah. or I don't know. Well, yeah, no. And that's a big thing as well. And like you, to your point is this summer isn't necessarily going to be the measuring stick for my career. Cause you got to remember the draft is tomorrow. It's on the th- uh, Thursday. 
Yeah. Like there, there's not his, it's not his scouts. It's not his team in there. You're going into the, yeah, you, you're going into the draft basically with not really a lot of knowledge on what the team philosophies are for rookies or, or prospects, what yeah. you need in this team from a prospect. Right. So it seems like, and again, we're not in the front office, but when he's sitting there on the draft floor, is he going to be sitting there going, oh, we need this guy. I like this guy. I like this guy. Or is he just going to go, hey, you know what? You guys have done the work. You guys, uh, you you know who you want. You guys know the philosophy. And I'll work with it afterwards. Or, again, they're, like you said, he's coming from New York. Does he have that kind of maybe intel going, oh, again, New York isn't right. exactly a direct uh, rival or direct interest to the Sharks, but you know what other teams like the New York Rangers are taking a look at, and you can go, okay, well, hey, look at what this team wants. Exactly, and I think, you know, that's a really good point. He's inheriting another front office, and like like you said, scouts, advisors, anything. So he could very easily say, you were out there all year, and you know what this team wants inside now I trust you to make these decisions because I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm looking at uh plus this is still kind of another year where these young kids are impacted by the pandemic and maybe missed playing time maybe uh, whatever whatever the case may be he could very well say here are the reins we start fresh july 13th that's you know when free agency opens that's when we're kicking this thing off and have had it but exactly we don't know we're not in the front office i would well yeah i'd be interested to see what uh jd from locked on sharks has to say (laughs) that's what i was gonna say too i was thinking that as well uh just before we move on because it is the draft week so we get a lot of moves a lot of fun moves in uh heading into the draft uh it seems like, and we're going to talk about one move that was made heading into the draft that is kind of interesting and has some uh, people talking around the league. But what is one move or one need that you think the San Jose Sharks need going into the next season? Goaltending. Because mm. yep. I don't know what, I just, I don't see Aiden Hill as a starter yet. If, yep. I think he has the potential, but I don't know. I agree. Mm. No, I agree. And again, Kapokokkanen, one of those RFAs that they might need to worry about. Zach Sochenko, an RFA as well. James Reimer might be on the way out to clear that cap space. So yeah, a lot of uncertainty in the crease. But yes, there was a move made, a very interesting move made by the uh, defending. Well, no, I guess they're not the defending champs Not anymore. anymore. Let's go. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, a very interesting move made there. So we will get into that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about our partners over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including, hey, MLB baseball is in full swing. We're in the summer. I mean, hey. 
the nice warm weather. I mean, July 4th just passed. I mean, I'm Canadian. I got the Canadian up here or the Canadian flag up here. We get Canadian baseball with the Blue Jays as well. Edmonton's got a River Hawks team, but the baseball season is in full swing. And why not take a look at some of those lines when you're sitting there in the, uh, the baseball stadium. You'll love it. you love to see it. Catch a foul ball, have a hot dog make some money why not uh bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and much more and bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma ufc boxing and golf and golf. You can bet on golf. I didn't know that. <laughs> that either. <laughs> yeah, that That's seems, It seems like something that a whole bunch of like guys from the, the frat goes, oh, I'll just say 20 bucks on this one. Yep. <laughs> head, to the web, head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And, I'm, I have a whole bunch of whiteboards all the time. So if I'm always <laughs> moving stuff, I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, no. um, well, you mentioned earlier in the show about the NHL draft. And this year, uh, we are doing an NHL draft show, like usual. Um, it's right around the corner. And our team of local hosts and draft experts are breaking it down with insights and anal- analysis for every first round pick. Subscribed to. Locked on NHL and, of course, the corresponding team of choice on YouTube for all of the latest on the NHL draft and more. The other day, I was minding my business, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I get an Elliot Friedman notification. Now, I, I've been waiting for them to say, you know, talks are heating up between Gaudreau and Calgary. But no, <laughs> no, 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 no. This one just comes out of left field, and it's Ryan McDonough on the move. Uh, from Tampa Bay. I'm at it reverse. Tampa yeah. Bay to Nashville. So, you know, you're still living in a very nice area, climate, whatever. Yeah. But this was a very interesting move because, you know, Tampa has been in a position where they need to move cap space. And they talked about moving McDonough uh, literally right after the finals they're like okay like you know uh we want to see who we can build around will he be willing to move he moved he waived his no trade clause uh which is i think whenever a player does that i do think that it's respectable yeah because no totally it's not just for their own best interest it's for the team they're playing for as well and you know a $6.75 million cap hit for Tampa. That's, yeah. that's a good chunk of change. So how do you feel about this? I mean, he's moving from east to west. He's, what, 32. He just turned 32. Which is a, still a pretty good age. I mean, I host the Oilers show, so I know a little thing about uh, veteran defenseman <clears throat> Duncan Keith. Um, <laughs> but and so, and weirdly enough, that has kind of sparked a little bit of a conversation as to all oh, if they got they the Nashville Predators were able to unload Felipe Myers 
and uh, 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 really a minor leaguer in Grant Mismash as well. But then you take a look at a move like the for Duncan Keith, and you take a look at a second or third rounder, conditional second, third rounder turns into a second, and then as well as a full time NHLer in uh, Caleb Jones. But in this move, like you said, it's kind of interesting for a guy. They are moving cap space. But the interesting thing for me is is the Felipe Myers move. He is not going to play for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No. He's going he's gonna to get bought out. That, that is going to be – that was the reason why he has been on a lot of this guy's going to get traded lists or top 10 most likely to get yeah. traded. And for some reason, Myers' name was always up there. Now, if you take a look at Myers, or if you know anything about Felipe Myers, he only played 27 games this season. One goal, three assists, four points. So, not exactly a name where you're like, oh, yeah, my team's going to trade for Felipe Myers. So, like, why? Why is that a big deal? Well, like we just mentioned, he is going to get bought out. But you also get a little extra for buying him out. I believe it's a, it's about $800 million or somewhere in that range that you get for buying him out for some reason. One you of those weird clauses. Stop helping yes. Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, there are two conditions of being on this show. You you cannot be advocating for Vegas to make like really good moves. You have to be like anti Vegas. Um, you should have gone over this in like your little interview, but yeah. it's fine. Um, and then you just kind of have to be like, well, Tampa, we got to stop helping them too. Yeah. So, you know, sorry. And welcome, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what this move does, right? And mm-hmm. and, and uh, like you said, stop helping Tampa. Now, on the other hand, yes, it does also help Nashville. Because yeah. take a look at their defensive core. You got Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, Dante Fabro. You throw in uh, 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 Ryan McDonough, Matt Benning, Mark Borvietsky, Ben Harper. That is a very solid defensive core. And they're only going to get better. Well, and the the unfortunate thing is now you got to take a look again. Like you mentioned, six point seven five million dollar cap it, and that's all the way until twenty twenty six. They're a team that are. I mean, they're trying to re-sign Philip Forsberg. They've got some interesting uh, things to do as well. But that decor is beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I really. I don't hate it. I don't. I think that Nashville is getting you know, a, a solid player. I, um, I know that people are, well, his age, um, don't, don't come around here with that because I'm 26. <laughs> I am in my prime, according to hockey statisticians, whatever. <laughs> I'm not old, but like, I just, I don't hate it. Do I think it's going to possibly age like milk in the sun? Yes. Most contracts with over 30 players, that happens. You know, like the Chris Tanev um, contract with Calgary has the most potential to age like that. And I, I just, I don't think Nashville fans should be worried. No. No, and and like you said, he's 32 years old. It's not like a 38, 37-year-old. Right. Uh, Claude Giroux, one of the top uh, free agents this year, 
34 years old. I mean, I, Joe Thornton still, still bumping around here. Still bumping around. There's exactly. like Patrice Bergeron is turning, I think, 36. Yeah. I could be yeah. very wrong, but like a week, I think 37 10 days after free agency. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and again, to go back to even Claude Giroux. Thirty, yeah, there we go. Thirty-eight, just like his number. Um, uh, the thing with Claude Giroux as well is, after he turned thirty, ever since he turned thirty, four out of the five years since he turned thirty, he scored twenty goals. So again, I'm not at all comparing Ryan McDonough to Claude Giroux, but there's still production to be had after you turn thirty, after you turn thirty-one, thirty-two years old. I mean, last year, seventy-one games played for Ryan McDonough, who's an old boy whose bodies might not be there. Four goals, twenty-two assists, twenty-two assists for Ryan McDonough. Still That's pretty productive. Impressive. It is, and he's going to, and I would say a, a healthier and younger defensive core. Um, and, you know, he was probably not going to play a lot with Roman Yossi, but, I mean, you get some points with him. You're well, going like, to look like the best general manager out there. Exactly. And I'm not, I'm not worried. And I say this as someone who enjoys Nashville, enjoys um, their hockey and whatnot, but, like, I just, I'm not convinced that this is, this is bad. <laughs> I, I just no. don't. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I agree with you. One last point on on uh, this, I guess, or on uh, Ryan McDonough and the defensive core. Really, is you mentioned just kind of it's not necessarily the oldest defensive core, mm-hmm. and just who exactly he could be playing with. Um, Matthias Ekholm potentially, yeah. but a guy that I really like is Dante Fabro, a guy who played yeah. in the the junior A leagues coming in through Canada. I believe, yeah, he is Canadian. Of course, he is. Uh, junior A challenges here for Canada as well. He. Went the college route as well. Uh, uh, just kind of the hard-nosed type of player, a guy like uh, that Nashville likes. So, uh, I mean, again, a, a very solid defensive core, and and I think an underrated defensive core as well. I mean, Roman Yossi had quietly one of the best seasons in years, and still, I mean. Right. Yeah. He's not getting yeah, the There's so much to say. There is. And, you know, we could do a whole episode on – like defensive cores that need more love and whatnot, but I'm just, we'll see how this goes. And I, yeah. you know, I don't want to be wrong because that's like asking the pilot to like crash the plane or whatever. Like, it's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. But yeah. coming up next to wrap up the show, we are going to talk about some women shattering Uh, the wonderful glass ceilings and barriers in the NHL and the AHL. As a reminder, we are on Twitter. Uh, You can follow the, uh, just kidding, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jess Belmosto. Brett, where can people find you? At the real Holden 40 on everything. I'm the real one. (laughs) You are. There's no... um, Imposter. No fakes around here. No yeah, fakes. Exactly. None of it. We don't tolerate that. I feel but like I should change it to the fake one. You should. You absolutely <laughs> should. So 
earlier today, it was announced that now this isn't necessarily out of the Western Conference, but it is absolutely something that should be celebrated. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs promote Hockey Hall of Famer, four-time Olympic gold medalist, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser to the assistant general manager position. And this is one of uh, really three promotions that happened over the recent days. Um, the Hershey Bears video coordinator was promoted to the Capitals, I believe. And, yep. you know, they're just incredible. And then, of course, Jessica Campbell, who um, also is a gold medalist, I believe, yep. um, is being hired, has been hired by the Coachella Valley Firebird as an assistant coach, making her the first woman behind a bench as a full-time coach in the AHL. A woman has never filled the role in the NHL, but okay. I can I can absolutely see it happening. Very soon. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Cami Granado was hired recently by Vancouver. Megan Hunter uh, in the Chicago Blackhawks. And then there was someone, um, oh my gosh, Megan Duggan. Megan Duggan, yes. Uh, Emily Castanier as well yeah. for uh, Vancouver. Uh, yeah, no, like like you mentioned, uh, first of all, uh, with Haley Wickenizer, let's start at the top with Haley Wickenizer because, her. I mean, as a child, she, I, I don't know exactly her ties to Edmonton. I think she, uh, she is a, a Western Canadian, but uh, somebody that I looked up to as a child, I remember the Edmonton, uh, during the lockout, Edmonton used to have the Edmonton Roadrunners for uh, a season, and Haley Wickenheiser came through. And one of the best things as a child that I got was to touch her gold medal and to get a, a book that she had written signed oh from God. her. One of the best minds in hockey and for generations has inspired so many, and she's going to continue to do so. And she's been in the, the Maple Leafs organization for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and Honestly, the right organization for her to be in, I think, uh, as well. Assistant general manager there, I could see her, again, be, maybe being one of those first coaches, maybe being one of those first uh, uh, full-time general managers, a real, I guess, just general manager, not assistant. Yeah. But yeah, uh, certainly as well. And again, let's, let's talk about uh, Jessica Campbell as well. First of all, Coachella Valley? That's the coolest That's place so to cool, be a coach, right? right? Yeah, that is so cool. You get to be the first female coach in the AHL. In AHL history, you get to do it underneath one of the best coaches in hockey history and Dan Bilesma as well and really learn a lot. She came over from Germany uh, from the Nuremberg Ice Tigers over there as well. She was uh, the skills coach over there and then uh, became the assistant coach as well and coach Germany as well. So she has experience not only uh, coaching, but she has experience coaching professionals as well and yeah. people who, who conduct themselves as professionals as well. And, and, and just there's like, like we mentioned at the start, this is, is, is seemingly, seemingly uh, an episode for breaking barriers and you, you can't ask for anything better in the game. Honestly, like I remember growing up and hearing people say like Hannah Storm is only on ESPN because she's a woman and like she has to fit this feminist, uh, 
you know, status quo or the quota, whatever. And now to see women in these front office roles or behind the bench is so incredible to me because I never thought that this was possible 20 years ago. Like I never, ever imagined this. And I am so happy for them. I'm so excited for everyone who, you know, is the the first this, the first that. But to be like, I don't, I don't know. Today just felt like a really good day in hockey news. Yeah, which is very odd. <laughs> yeah, very often. So between you know Mike Greer, uh, Doctor Wickenheiser, and yes. Jessica Campbell, like. It is just truly just one for the ages, you know. I think July 5th is just got to celebrate it. It's so exciting. (laughs) It's, you know, it does, it shows that it's possible. Like, that representation matters. So, you know, the little black kids who, you know, want to be be in the front offices of hockey or to coach, whatever. Like, they have someone to look up to. Nazem Kadri being the first Muslim to win the Stanley Cup, that representation is so important. And of course, for the little girls who want to run front offices, we got this now. Like this is, it just, it feels real good. Feels real good. (laughs) I couldn't say it any better. I couldn't say it any better. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, it's a really good feeling to have just to be able to say, yeah. (laughs) Women can do it too. And it's just, you know, I, I hope that hockey becomes more and more diverse and we see, you know, brilliant minds in these roles, regardless of where they are and whatnot, um, you know, really make hockey a better place and growing the game. Well, I have a shirt and one of my favorite shirts that I wear. It's from the CFL, the Canadian Football League. And it says diversity is strength. And it truly is. And and another one of those philosophical or philosophy quotes as well is the only way that you're only really going to develop is by using diverse minds and by diversity as well. And that is the only way you're going to become uh, developed or develop even more as, as an organization, as a person, as a leader. Yeah as anything is through diversity and it's the best possible thing for anything at all absolutely and you know i think that that is a perfect note to end the show on because for once we're not talking about something so heavy that just (laughs) feels like we have to beg for people to send us pet pictures to cheer us up (laughs) after hosting this but thank you brett so much for joining me today and where can people find your show and uh you on social media yes no thank you for having me jess yes you can find me at uh, on twitter at uh, locked on oilers as i am the oilers host and you can also find me as mentioned earlier on twitter at locked or no that's that's not my twitter at the real holden 40 Ooh, almost gave something cool away uh but also you can also find us on youtube as well at locked on oilers as well so yeah, and that's where you can find us. Thank you very much. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Uh, Locked on Flames is the show's Twitter feed is at LO underscore Flames pod and Locked on Flames wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thank you so much for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. 
And we have so much more to talk about this week with the draft, free agency, trades, buyouts, you name it. And thank you so much to everyone who is supporting our shows through the off season. We are so happy to have you here and we will see you next week.